Praise the Lord, everybody, and I want to welcome you to the program this November 1st, 2021. Uh, I have been looking back over some of my uh, old sermon outlines and notes and different uh, writings that have been done over the years. And so I guess we could call uh, this message is coming out of the remix drawer many years ago. I don't even remember the exact year, but I think it was 1994 or maybe 95. I preached a set of messages and I preached it live everywhere I went for pretty much a whole year. The message of John the Baptist, because we look at this forerunner of Christ and we find out that it has many applications all through the church age, right up into the time that we're living today in the church age. And that these are the type of things that we need to learn and understand uh, as, as far as the basics of our Christian faith. And so today we're going to be speaking on the subject just for a short while, John the Baptist's message of repentance. So you can go ahead and find Matthew chapter 3 in your Bible, and I will get there uh, in just a couple of moments as we talk about some things here today. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, your anointing would come upon the words that are spoken here, Father God. I, I can't do these things. Uh, it's, it's not about me. It's about your anointing upon your word and upon your spirit, Lord, that the, the Holy Spirit would go forth and touch people's hearts during these times of teaching. Father, we pray, giving Jesus Christ all the praise, all the glory in his mighty name. And everybody would say amen and amen. And I, I pray that way today because, you know, uh, I think the older you get and the farther you go, you want to be really careful uh, what you do put out there as teaching for people because uh, we, we certainly wouldn't want to lead anybody in a wrong direction. And we certainly wouldn't want to say things that was not biblical, which I personally believe the Bible is the final answer on everything, the word of almighty God. And so that's what we want. We, we live in a time when a lot of people have it in their mind that repentance is a one-time deal when they came to Christ and they got born again. And that certainly is the very most important moment in a person's life, absolutely. But that is not the last time they will be faced with the activity of repentance. At, at least not if they love Jesus, not if they truly wanna serve Jesus and follow Jesus. There's going to come, just as in my life and in your life as well, many, many times when we're going to need this word called repentance. Uh, Christians make mistakes. Christians make wrong choices. Christians make bad decisions. On and on and on we could go. That's just like the word salvation. Uh, many people feel that the only time that word applies to them is when they came to Christ and got born again. But the word salvation 
is so much bigger than that. The actual word for salvation that's used can be translated deliverance, rescue, healing, mending, and I could keep going with all of these adjectives and adverbs, but I hope you get the point. We need to be saved. Now, in the definition I just gave you, many times throughout our Christian journey, saved from making bad decisions, saved from making bad choices, saved, delivered from attacks of depression that would come upon us, et cetera, and so forth. So we see that we can take a word and we can convince ourselves that it means one thing. And in reality, it means, it means that one thing, but it also is much broader. I guess that's the point I'm trying to get across to you. Unfortunately, we live in a time, and it's, it's really heartbreaking when you stop and, and think about this. And I've seen it uh, so much. I've been to this place in my own life, too, that I'm about to describe to you. But we live in a time today where nobody will receive correction. They don't want to be corrected. Mankind is bad at trying to wear a false mask, paint a false picture that they're okay. You know, I'm okay, you're okay, and hallelujah, let's get ready for the rapture. And, you know, you're going to be surprised. I'm just getting ready to do a series about the rapture. You're going to be surprised that there's going to be some Christians left behind. It's going to shock you when we open these scriptures up. Um, that's not today, however. But we want to give the impression with people that we're doing everything right. We don't need to be taught anything. Everything's cool. And that we have it all together. And that right there, we need to repent of. Okay. But when you bring a word anymore, you're opening yourself up to like 5 million different opinions because everybody's got one, you know, whether or not it's biblical, they will begin to hate on you for standing for what the Bible teaches and, and, and for trying to bring correction into a situation because you know, if you're serious about loving the Lord, you know that it will get them to the place they need to be in life and that they will be a success in life because of the blood of Jesus. But sometimes you have to overcome the lashing out that they want to give you over it. And you know what? I, I tell young preachers this all the time, and I thank God. I thank God. I'm real excited that God has brought some young ones into my life that we actually get to hang out and uh, have coffee and uh, I have one that works for me from time to time. We split wood and stack wood and carry things that are way too heavy for us. <laughs> and uh, I tell them all the time, you know, if you stand up on the word of God in the days that we're living, in, I'm going to get to a scripture in just a moment. So hang on. Um, I wouldn't even spend one minute worrying about those who got mad at you over the truth. Because you cannot afford, I, I pray that you'll hear this, 
young preachers, you cannot afford to allow conflict and strife over what you preach. Now, don't go out here and act like a fool every day and not expect to have some strife, okay? You need to repent of that if that's what you're doing. But never repent over what God gives you to preach. And you need to stay on course and on focus with the Lord. You don't need to be worrying about who thinks this and who thinks that. Because you have an obligation as a preacher to preach the truth of the word of God. My job is not to make people comfortable. My job is not to make people love me. <laughs> I make them try to make them love Jesus with what we preach, but my job is not to draw people to myself. I would rather preach to five people, all right? that are teachable, that have a repentant heart, that want to go all the way with Jesus, that want to turn their life over to Jesus and not try to run it themselves. Oh boy, now that's a big one. So when we preach what God gives us to preach, when we say what the Lord has written in his word is true and people get angry or upset, it's usually because they're hiding behind this false persona that they've got everything all together, that they know what they're doing, that they're doing everything right. And in reality, it couldn't be any further from the truth. Okay? So don't spend a lot of time worrying about that. Don't waste any sleep over it. I mean, when it comes right down to it, it's the, it's the other person's choice. They're either going to embrace truth or they're going to deny truth, but you keep preaching truth. You don't need to fuss and fight with them. I told somebody the other day, I don't fuss over what I preach. I will, I will not change what God gives me to preach. I will preach it. I don't bother people on a one-to-one -one basis at all. But I, I will preach what God gives me to preach. And there's other channels that you can turn to if you don't like it. Because at this time in my life, I have to deliver my heart before the Lord. So let's start reading in Matthew chapter 3. And let's begin in verse one. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're gonna stop right there for just a moment and let me repeat some of what I said in the introduction. Repentance is not something that is done one time when you get born again, which gets you in to the kingdom of God. Repentance doesn't end there. Repentance is a lifestyle for a Christian, All right? I'm gonna use uh, an illustration from my personal life because hoping that it will help us to accurately with clarity say this. I remember years ago, I've been preaching for about 40 and one half years now. And I remember years ago, I was with a particular denomination. 
Uh, it's the one I started with. I'm not going to name it. But uh, it was a, a tr- not, not a traditional, it was a Pentecostal denomination, and it was uh, re- respectable. It was reputable. However, I, I started preaching in 81, and I think this was in about 86, 87. I made the decision to leave that denomination. And I mean, I prayed about it. I counseled somewhat with others about it. It just turned out to be the wrong people. And I'll get to that in a moment. Um, I left in order to go with something else. And it was just a few years ago, maybe about five years ago, maybe less. It, could, it was, you know, three, four, five years ago, the Lord told me, you know, you made the wrong choice. And he said, now I'm not going to show you what things would have been. Don't you like the way the Lord loves us? He said, I'm not going to show you the way things could have been in your ministry, but I'm just telling you, you made the wrong choice. You shouldn't have left. And the point is that one wrong decision. Now, see, I needed to repent of that. Let me say that clearly as well. That's an example of something that a Christian just says, you know, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for that. As the Holy Spirit brings it to our remembrance, we repent. It's a lifestyle for a believer. And we're going to see in a little bit that upon repentance, there's grace that's magnified in your life. Repentance isn't a dirty word, ladies and gentlemen. Upon repentance, proper repentance, correct repentance, because repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is being the person that won't do that again. And sometimes we struggle in those areas, and God is patient with us a long, long time. But here's the statement I want to make. In our lives, and we've all been here, a lot of times, one wrong choice, and you go along pretty good for a while, you're doing 32 other things right, and so you're feeling pretty good about you. But somewhere down the road, that one wrong choice creates five additional problems. And see, the Lord knows this, and this is why he ingrains it within us. Hopefully, we will allow him to in a day and an age where hardly nobody will take correction. Hopefully, we will allow the Lord to ingrain it in us that we need his mind. We need his will. We need to be in his word and we need to do what the word of God says to do. And I'll tell you, we're all going to mess up at one point or another. If you think you're going to go through your life perfectly, let me just say that only one person ever done that. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sure hasn't been me and it sure ain't been you. Okay, so repentance is normal. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're often faced with those choices where to go the wrong way means to go away from the kingdom in that area. Now, here's what I'm, I'm not saying. If you got born again, I'm not saying you're not saved. 
I'm not saying you've lost your way, but in that area, and you can fill in the blank, in whatever area we're talking about, you have gone away from kingdom directive. And that will always, always get you in trouble. Repentance is a free decision on the part, first of all, of sinners. It's made possible when God gives them enabling grace as they hear and they believe the gospel. That's the first one. The definition of saving faith as mere trust in Christ is wholly inadequate in the light of Christ's demand for repentance. You know, this was John the Baptist's message, but it was also the first message Jesus preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay? Keeping in mind now, let's say it again, that repentance is a good thing. Repentance is a powerful thing. It's a positive thing. It brings, it attracts the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God in a person's life. Uh, I don't care how you want to look at this because we, we believe that God initiates the salvation process. However, that's a far cry from being predestinated one way or the other. I believe the gospel is for everyone. I believe the choice is for everyone. The choice to receive Christ. The choice to obey the Lord after you have received Christ. So to say that Christ is just giving you something, it's free, yes, but does he demand anything in return? And the answer is yes, he does. He said, if you love me, he wants us to love him, just like he loves us. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So it's wholly inadequate in, in the light of Jesus Christ's demand for repentance in our lives to just say, well, we trust Jesus. Don't underestimate or undermine trust Salvation is a free gift, but it's important how we live our life because the steps that we take today will affect not only us, but others tomorrow. All right, let's leave that there and keep going. To define saving faith uh, in a way that does not involve a radical break with sin is dangerously distorting the biblical view of redemption. Faith that includes repentance is always a condition for salvation. Faith, all right? But what I want you to see, that saving faith, which is the entry point for all of us, it includes repentance. We could write it down this way, and, and please remember it. Faith includes repentance, and that's how we get saved. The reason many times that there's so much sin in a Christian's life or somebody that, we, that they tell us they're a Christian, uh, sometimes the reason there's so much 
wrong going on in their lives is because when they came to Christ or they came to that altar call or they came to the front or filled out a card or whatever it is they did, they didn't understand how bad their sin was. They didn't understand that they were sinners that needed salvation. That's why you can't just preach these positive uh, self-help messages and expect people to really get born again. Because when you really get born again, your motive is to put to death that sin that's in your life because it breaks your heart, because it breaks the heart of God. And Jesus died on the cross to freely bring us salvation because we would have all went to hell otherwise. There's nothing that we could have done There's nothing that we could do now, now that we're born again. The only thing we can do is going back to the phrase, trust Christ, but what does trust mean? That's just like somebody says, I'm a believer. Do you realize that incorporated in the meaning of the word believe is the word obey? And that's what people don't want to hear today. They want to make the rules up as they go along and say, I'm a believer. I'm going to heaven. Well, maybe you are and maybe you aren't. The Apostle Paul did say to examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. And so all of our lives is this process, this never-ending process as God shows us things about ourselves that do not please him, that could be different and could be better and could draw us closer to Christ then we repent over those issues and we repent over those things. Now I'm going to get to John the Baptist here in just a minute, but hang on. We're laying a foundation. Like I told you when I preached this years ago, it was like a five-part message. The Holy Spirit has to peel layer after layer after layer of the fall off of us. I can't explain that in an hour. But I can just tell you that when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, it totally corrupted our whole human race. Every human that would be born after Adam and Eve was born with the seed of sin residing deeply on the inside of them. And it even, it increases That's the thing about sin. So now here we are, 2021, all these millennia later, hundreds and thousands of years later, and man has become so hard. But yet, in the midst of those effects of the fall, there are glimmers of Eden. Have you ever noticed how a baby loves? Have you ever noticed how a little child will exhibit love for their family, their siblings, other friends, whatever the case might be? So it's when we say that man is totally depraved, we don't mean that he is as bad as he could be. It doesn't take that child long to say, no, that's mine, and whop his sister on top of the head. (laughs) It doesn't take long at all, does it? 
We have become so corrupted because of sin, because of the fall, because of evil, that sometimes it takes a lot to penetrate us. And when we do see it, it may just be a glimpse and we come to Jesus. And that's the point where we have to make sure that we continue in this process. Here, here's another thing, let me say. I know these thoughts are kind of chopped up, but the believer's life is not a life of sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting. But yet each believer has something in them that they do sin and have to repent. And then they do it again and they have to repent. Or it's, it, it might not be some great big bombastic sin, but it's a thought. I mean, there's so many things we could look at. But in a day, in a climate, when no one wants to be corrected because of false bravado and false pride and, and false masks that we like to wear, we have to get back to teaching the basics of repentance. And I'm going to leave that off right there and move on to the next point, if you don't mind, or we'll be here all afternoon. And I'm sure you don't want that. Repentance was a basic message of the Old Testament prophets. We still need them today. I can give you some scripture references, Jeremiah 7, 3, Ezekiel 18, 30, Joel 2, uh, 12 through 14, Malachi 3, 7, John the Baptist here in Matthew 3, 2. Also in the New Testament, you have Jesus Christ, Matthew 4, 17, 18, 3, and Luke 5, 32. And you have the early church of New Testament Christians that preached a message of repentance. The preaching of repentance must always accompany the gospel message. And you can look for that at uh, Luke 24, 47. Okay, verse three says this, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in a wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now that of course refers to John the Baptist. He had a very simple message. He was a, a very rugged individual. Verse four says the same John had a raiment of camel's hair. He had a leather girdle about his loins. His meat was locust and wild honey. They went out to him and they came to the region of Jordan and were baptized by John, confessing their sins. Look at that. If we properly connect the concepts of repentance, faith, salvation, deliverance, even healing, if we understand the meaning of those connections, we can live a repented a repentant, I'm sorry, repentant lifestyle, which is the lifestyle of a, of a Christian. Today we have a lot of people who claim to be believers, but they are 
in no wise to be considered disciples. Why? Because they make their plans and then they ask God to bless them. They make the rules up for Christian living as they go along and they're quick to say, I don't need to do this and I don't need to do that. And here's what I'm going to do. Obviously not a disciple. When the word disciple means learner and can only be obtained through faith and repentance. Because when I started living for Jesus a long, long time ago, I made a lot of mistakes. I make less today, but I still make some. Hence, we never outgrow the need for repentance in our life. Never. This is not about me, and it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about his will. It's clearly expressed in the word of God. Sometimes we have to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to apply that will to our life in a particular circumstance that's not verbatim discussed in the word of God. So we pray, we ask the Lord to show us, we ask the Lord, please apply your word to my life, to my heart, so that I can walk pleasing before you. That's the lifestyle of a disciple. Now here's a, here's a stem winder for you. Are disciples, are they, R-E-E, -E, the only kind of real Christians that there are? That's a tough question. Because we certainly do see an example in the Bible of the dying thief who was hung next to Christ, who received Christ at his very dying moment. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So I think there's a difference between, yeah, you're born again and living a life that brings reward when we get to the other side. When this journey is over and this race is run, will we be rewarded? when we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ? What's the answer to that? The answer to that is a repentant lifestyle, a repentant heart for the Christian. You're saved, you're not lost, but you do need repentance in your life. So let's look at this a little deeper as we Take the word repent, which here uh, the Greek word is metanoite, metanoite, and it means change your mind. But it means more than that. It means change your mind in a way that is not superficial. But it changes your basic attitudes and lifestyle. It involves a change of masters from sin and Satan being your master to Jesus Christ and his word being master. 
Acts 26, 18. That is what we call our ministry, Acts 26, 18 ministries. Look at that verse. Romans 6, 19, and also verse 22, Ephesians 2 and 2. There's a change that takes place. It's also connected with another Greek word called epistrephian, which means to turn. So you've got change your mind and turn. The work of the Holy Spirit is involved greatly so in both of these premises. Were it not for the presence of the Holy Spirit, were it not for the blood that was shed at Calvary's cross, we would not be able to change our minds or turn. So again, it goes back to faith, but it's a faith that involves a repentance. And God gives that repentance to those who are honestly seeking him. Let's continue a little more. This, this gets better even as we go. And we're going to show you at the end of this message how repentance will attract mercy to your life and attract grace for you to live in. Live in. Have you ever met somebody who follows the Lord? Many times they do the best they can. They're trying. Some are trying hard but still so many things go wrong for them on a consistent basis. And sometimes we pass it off with a comment such as life is hard. And to be sure, friend, life is hard. But sometimes it's just because we're not adding the turn to the changing of our mind. Just let that stay right there and think about it. Repenting, turning to God, proving one's repentance by the fruit of a changed life. I have an apple tree at my house. If I go out to that apple tree about this time of year and a little bit earlier, really, and we're in November already, but September, October, if I go out to that apple tree, and there is no apples on that apple tree, it's gonna be hard to prove to me that it's an apple tree. Because the natural response of an apple tree, if it is taken care of properly, here we go, is to produce apples. But it does need to be tended to, doesn't it? If you have an apple tree and all you let it do is stand planted there and you don't do anything else to that apple tree year after year after year, you're not going to get apples eventually because it needs to be pruned. It needs to be trimmed. There are things in our lives as Christians that need to go. And there are things in our lives that we should be doing as Christians and the Holy Spirit has already spoken it. He's written it down. If it's written in the word of God, you don't need to wait to be led to do it. And if we don't begin to, to turn from our sin, eventually we become cold. We become dead 
spirit inside of us. It's just religion. It's no longer relationship. And it's just, it's too much of a bother to go through the ritual. I've heard people say all these kind of things. The believer's lifestyle has to be a lifestyle of the changed mind and the turning to Jesus Christ. Okay, let's read a little more. The saving faith that the grace of God makes possible in response to hearing the gospel includes repentance. Look at Mark 1.15, Luke 13.3 and verse 5. Look also Acts 2.38, Acts 3.19, Acts 11.21, and we see these things. To define saving faith in a way that does not involve a radical break with sin distorts the biblical view of redemption. So we could say this. We're about, we're about to get to the closing here in a little bit. Coming to Jesus and being saved. Remember I told you that word saved can also be translated delivered. It can be translated healed. It can be, the word sozo, it can be translated in a lot of different ways. The psalmist who definitely had a relationship with Jesus would often, or with God, Jesus coming through the sacrifices and the offerings, okay? The, the David, also, he had a relationship with God through those sacrifices and offerings that were a type of Christ. And he would often cry out, Lord, save me from my enemies. Lord, save me from this critical spirit that's trying to rise up and dominate me. Lord, save me from this headache that I keep getting. We could, we could throw anything out there you want to. It's all salvation. You're born again, but you still need some salvation. Your mind needs to be saved. Huh? Your spirit is born again. But your mind and your flesh, honey, they're not, it's not completed yet. That's why the scripture teaches we have been saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. Repentance is the key in all three situations. We, we could take the time, and in, in my original preaching of this message, and I'm not really preaching today, I'm just sharing the, these thoughts with you, but... Um, we did include a contrast between a follower of Christ and, the, and a Pharisee and a Sadducee. We're not going to go there today or our time will get away with us. But it says here, John the Baptist asked the scribes and the Pharisees, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. And the word meat there... Um, Fruits that show, that prove that you have repented. In other words, as a Christian, I can't 
let's say I'm let's say that I was a thief before I gave my heart to Christ. I actually did steal some things as a young man. You know, I'm not proud of it, but it happened. So I cannot say that I am, I cannot say that I have repented of that if I'm still going out there every day and stealing something, right? Because the gospel is intended to bring a changed life. And so I don't steal anymore. Why? Because Jesus delivered me. He saved me from that. I'm born again, but it would still be possible for me to steal. If I just determined, you know, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I know that's in the Bible, but I'm just... I'm going to do it this way over here, and I'm good. I'm good. How many times have we heard that in this generation? Oh, man, I'm good. Well, you, but you know, the Bible's Jesus said this. Oh, yeah, but I'm good. I don't have to do that. Lord gave me my own private little special revelation. I read the Bible. I'm good. Don't you know? that the Bible that's not obeyed will turn the light off on other parts of the Bible as well. So you'll read it all right. But God will withhold revelation until you go to the last place that you were disobedient and you bow your knee and humble yourself and drop your pride and go God's way and get with God's program. And that takes repentance. You need to change your mind and you need to turn. You turn from something, and you turn to something. You turn from your own way of doing things, and you turn to God's way of doing them. That brings grace. That brings the power to change. That brings the power of a changed and a new life in Christ Jesus. Genuine repentance will be accompanied by the fruits of righteousness, which simply means God's right way of doing things. Praise God. A true saving faith and conversion must become evident through lives that forsake sin and bear godly fruit. Those who say they believe in Christ and are the children of God, but do not live lives that produce good fruit are like trees that will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so we don't want to be any part of that. We don't want to be thrown away in the day of judgment. We don't want to be burned in the fire in the day of judgment. And so we have to make up our mind, ladies and gentlemen, to go the way God wants us to go. From day one, again, you're gonna make some mistakes. And there isn't any reason for you in a moment when you have made a mistake and you've made a wrong choice, a wrong decision, you've committed a wrong action, whatever the case might be, you don't need to say, well, I'm just gonna quit. Well, I'm just done. If I can't have it my way, I won't have it at all. 
Stop being a petulant child and begin to understand that these things are placed in the word of God for your good, for your happiness, for your well-being in life, and ultimately for your whole eternity to be with Jesus and to live in his holy presence. So that's why John the Baptist preached repentance. He was commissioned to be the very one that would go out before Jesus showed up on the scene. Oh, notice what people did to John and to Jesus. They killed him. So as a preacher, as a pastor, don't be surprised when people come and go. Your heart can bleed for them. Your heart can hurt for them. Your heart can tremble in the presence of the Lord because it's a holy thing when you desire someone to live the life that God desired them to live. But you can't worry about it. You can. You can do your best. You can weep and cry and pray. You can try. But we're living in a time where you can't really have too many conversations with people. And even some Christians, one minute you talk to them, Holy Spirit's all over them. It's a really beautiful moment. The next time you talk to them, they're all taken captive by the devil at his will over something that's going on or something that they don't want to hear or whatever the case might be. All you can do is be faithful to preach what God gives you to preach. That's all you can do. And pray for people. Show love to people, but don't compromise truth. You know, it's not mutually exclusive to preach truth and practice compassion. It's not an either or situation. You can do it both. Now I know somebody that the Lord uses you maybe to bring a corrective word to, they're gonna say, well, that preacher don't got no love. They ain't got no love over there at that church. But it, you know it's a lie, so don't receive the label. I'm sick of this society trying to label Christians. I am not a hater just because I stand up for the truth of the Bible. I'm not a hater. I don't receive it. I am not a bigot just because I stand up for the truth of the Bible. I don't receive that label. You take that label, Mr. Devil, and go on back to hell with it. We, we live in a time that's unlike any other time I've ever lived. But I know that the Bible that was true yesterday is true today, and it'll still be true tomorrow. And if we will just repent in our lives of the things we do that we, we've gone into, I told you the little account earlier on in this teaching, when I left a particular denomination. And listen now, it, it didn't ruin my ministry. 
And it didn't, you know, I was still ministering and God still blessed me and God still opened some doors for me. And I still went to church, praise God. I left a denomination thinking I was hearing God about another denomination. It wasn't really, it was an independent fellowship, but uh, thinking it was the right thing. And then 30 years later, God comes along and tells me, you made the wrong choice. And he said, I love you. And I'm not going to show you what your life could have been had you not made that wrong choice. But I've blessed you. I've used you. And I'm going to continue to do so. That's the grace part. So here's, here's the thing that ties right back to that statement that I made earlier. The statement was, one wrong choice can create five additional problems down the road. Okay, so I've definitely made one wrong choice. One, I've made hundreds in my life. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. You're human. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So where does that leave me? Where do I stand? If I will repent each time this happens, as the Lord brings it to my remembrance, if I will repent and turn from my own way of doing things and turn to God's way of doing things, God will will, W-I-L-L, he will will a change to the plan he has for me. God never changes his plan, but sometimes he wills a change because we've messed something up. I still have some ramifications from that particular choice that I shared with you here today. I still have some ramifications from that even today, although I do still preach and have always preached in some of their churches. Um, I still preach in the independent fellowship churches that I went to, okay? But God has willed a change in my ministry. He didn't just throw me away. He didn't just say, oh, you got to quit now. Oh, you blew it, you're done. Get that kind of stuff out of your head. Get the foolishness out. You're not a child, many of you. Most of you are, are grown adult people. It's not about being your way. It's about being God's way. And God's not going to just wash his hands of you. The longest day you live, mister, God is going to be offering you grace because of what Jesus did at the cross. That decision, ability to make a decision there stops the moment you die. But the longest day you live, God is going to be reaching out to you. Turn and come to me. Change your mind. Change your mind about serving me and come and I will receive you. 
If you will come to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast you out. Do you think that that would be any less true for his children than it is for the sinner in the world? If he will save the sinner in the world, give them a new heart, give them a fresh start, if he will save them from the world, why would you think that when you made a mistake, Christian, that you couldn't run to God and get forgiveness and get mercy and get love and get grace and God starts you back out on the road to glory? Do you really believe that God would treat his own children worse than the sinner in the world? I don't believe it. In fact, I, it's not even a matter of belief. I know God wouldn't do that. There's so many different ways we could have went with this teaching today, and I might come back and do another part to this because I really didn't talk enough about John the Baptist. John went on to say in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Wow. Right? See, God, how many, you know, when I came up in Pentecost, we used to hear this all the time. I can't tell you how many times I heard this. And I mean, when people would go to the altar to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you'd have one person shaking them and saying, just let loose, just let loose. And you'd have somebody else come along, lay hands on them and say, just hold on, brother, hold on. <laughs> I mean, you got so many people screaming at you, but just take what the word says, right? And... Uh, there used to be a saying in Pentecost that was wrong. Uh, and I thank God for my Pentecostal roots and much of it is right. But this was wrong where they would say, you have to clean yourself up and then God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And man, just nothing could be further from the truth. Listen, listen, that dirty, filthy devil that has tried to control you all your life, his power can only be broken by the Holy Spirit working through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You can't clean yourself up. But the Holy Spirit can. And you don't get perfect when you come to Jesus the very first time. And for those that want to argue about that, believe it or not, there, there, well, there are people who will argue about everything. You know, They want to argue whether Christians should go to church or not. Come on, man, give me a break. Read the Bible. They want to argue about whether you should be drinking booze or not. Come on, man, read the word of God. Paul said he all things were... How did he phrase that? All things are, you know, they're an option for me, but not all things are expedient. I'm not in bondage to anyone or anything, 
but I have voluntarily made myself a bond servant to Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. And you come and you get, you get washed in the blood, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it. God begins working on you. And that all comes through faith and repentance into the Christian's life. So ladies and gentlemen, while we did not talk about, really, we, we, we really didn't talk a lot about John the Baptist today. We did talk a lot about repentance. And we talked a lot about the need for repentance in the life of every single one of us as Christians. And so I, I pray that if you take nothing else away from this little time that we've spent together here this afternoon, uh, I pray you would take that away from it. That you, you just need to live a repentant lifestyle. You know, uh, many of you have practiced as Christians, you've practiced fasting in your life, right? And everybody, I think it's part of the human makeup. Oh man, I want to go on a 40 day fast. And if that's the first time you've ever fasted in your life, you're probably going to fall flat of your face. I just hate to tell you, but it ain't easy. Have you done it? I've never fasted three meals a day for 40 days, but I have fasted one and two meals in a day for 40 days. And that is hard. You see, but it's not about easy. It's not about hard. It's not about earning something. It's not about yada, yada, yada. It's about living a fasted lifestyle. And that's the same way it is with repentance. A lifestyle that voluntarily lays down our own prerogatives and our own desires, swears to our own hurt if we need to, in order to do something God's way and for, oftentimes, the benefit of others. That's what this is about. It's not about me out here trying to get something for me all the time. It's about for the benefit of others. And again, I could take any topic we wanted to take relative to our daily living, and I could apply that. That's not our purpose here. I'm not here to start naming sins, but I am here to tell you, if you're going in a direction that the word of God does not teach, you need repentance to be activated in your heart. Just be honest enough to go before the Lord and say, what about this, Jesus? Show me. And he will. He loves you. He doesn't want you to lose reward. He will take you to the place. He will show you the verses. He will show you what he means. And then you just simply choose to do it God's way and not yours. And that is what keeps many people from receiving from God in their lives. They're not necessarily even bad people. They just want to do things their own way, and they think their own way is the only way and the only right way. And God is over here just like, come on, people. Will you open your eyes to my word? Will you open your heart to my word? When you do, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that today. When you do, he will receive you. 
and he will show you that he was right all along. And your life will really take off to new dimensions at that point. So Heavenly Father, I pray today, having only done a, a part of this message, I pray today that you will reveal yourself and reveal your word to this people. Father, help us, help us to come back with a second part to this and finish the rest of the message. But help us all to understand our need and help us to reach out to you because you're the one that gives the only solution. And we read about it here today. Father, we lift up your name, we lift up your word, and we lift up the name of Jesus Christ and give him all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody would say, amen and amen. So thank you for tuning in today. We will be back again. Uh, not all of these new messages that are coming are going to be done live. I may even re-preach uh, uh, this on a, uh, on a recorded track and upload it to the podcast at another time. Not all of it's going to be live, but we will be back periodically live from November 1st here today all the way through November 20th. So there'll be two or three live times that we will be here. Please give us the heart, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast and just let us know that you're out there. We appreciate it so much. Um, the rest of the tracks that will be uploaded throughout, you know, probably January, February or so are being recorded during this time. Brand new teachings. We're going to do a teaching on the rapture that's going to be coming up very, very soon. Also the gifts of the spirit. I think that'll be a blessing to you. And we're also going to do some teaching on fasting and prayer and many other Bible subjects. We are praying about a second prophetic teaching because we're going to do the rapture. Uh, uh, we're going to do a certain aspect of the rapture, and I'm not even going to tell you what that is right here today. You can tune in, though, and you'll be blessed by it. You'll, your eyes will be opened to some things by it. And also, we're praying then, what should we do for a second prophetic teaching amidst the other series that we're working on? So I hope you guys have a, a really great afternoon. Until the next time that we can come together around the Word of God, this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, go with God and He will go with you. Bless you.